from Relay FM. This is Download, episode 43, recorded Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. Tea Party with Bots. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I am your host, Jason Snell, and I'm joined, as always, by two wonderful guests this week. Returning, I think, maybe the most common guest so far, the the, the leader right now for most appearances on Download, maybe? I'm not sure. But but we, it's because we love her. It's Carolina Milanese from Creative <laughs> Strategies. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me back. I mean, who's counting? Uh, <laughs> Who's counting? But the I mean, answer somebody is, is. Oh no, it's you and Lisa. You and Lisa go back and forth. That's what it is. So uh, Lisa Schmeiser also is not here. So you have just uh, caught up by one to uh, to Lisa. So that's good. Um, Micah Sargent, who's only been on a couple of times, but he's back. He's also the host of uh, of Clockwise with Dan Warren here on Relay FM, and is the senior editor at Mobile Nations. Hi, Micah. Hello, Jason. Thanks for having me back. Every time you're on. Uh, really any podcast fun things happen so (laughs) i'm looking forward to the i wonder what the title of this episode will be people listening already know because i say it at the beginning isn't it amazing how i know what we're gonna say when anyway uh, it's like you've hacked yourself and left yourself clues hmm interesting a little behind the scenes action there now also behind the scenes action the show is put together every week not just by me by but by uh, download producer Stephen Hackett and I've been traveling the last week so this show is entirely the responsibility of Stephen Hackett which is why it's going to be so great hi Stephen hey hello I'm glad you're back you've been busy this week because you also launched today a new podcast that's like imagine if download came out more than one time a week and was just Stephen that that would be and and two minutes long and two minutes long that's right that would be subnet which uh, which is out now you can uh, look for it in the show notes or just ask that canister that lives in your house to play the subnet podcast and uh, presumably it will know what to do yeah google home you can just ask for news from relay fm that the echo you got to go find the skill but there'll be links in the show notes you can add the skill to your account and uh you can hear me in your kitchen several times a week it'll be great yeah that's where i uh, like to hear you is in my kitchen I just call you sometimes from my kitchen and I say, hey, Stephen, how many uh, ounces in a cup? And you say, Jason, I already told you this 10 times. Yeah, write it down, man. Just write it down. It's eight. It's eight. Uh, all right, let's get started uh, with uh, all these great topics that Stephen has put together that I will read to you now. Twitter has announced changes designed to cut down on the effectiveness of bot accounts on its network. I feel like I've read this story before because Twitter keeps on announcing changes to fix what's broken and then it just is still broken. Anyway, starting next month, apps will no longer be able to publish identical or even strongly similar tweets on mass. Uh, actions like retweeting, liking, and following will also be capped. Uh, so a single app can't perform these actions for multiple accounts at once, fighting the bots. They're also removing bot accounts. They uh, recently disclosed they had found about 50,000 accounts that were connected to the Russian propaganda machine. Uh, now, some people on the far right have called this a Twitter lockout and complained that they've lost followers. Those weren't followers. They were bots. <laughs> anyway, Twitter says the tools are apolitical. They just don't want bots on their system. Uh, if they were far left bots, they would get uh, uh, they would get kicked out too. Um, but there are still some people who think that this is some uh, political conspiracy. There are also people, I would say, uh, not to not to bias every this conversation, but there are people who who think that the moon landing wasn't real and that the Earth is flat. Anyway, uh, what what do we oh, think no. about about uh, 
<laughs> the uh, shots fired, but they were fired in space, so they go on forever. Do they? Do these new rules have a shot at working, or is this just this you know endless game of whack a mole here? Uh, what What do you think, Micah? Uh, so I do think that these rules have a a shot. Twitter's not throwing away its shot uh, to 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 make a change here. I mean, obviously something is working because people are complaining. Uh, so it's enough of a change that, that, that people have noticed it. And honestly, like I have been blessed, I guess, or lucky that, uh, I have not been hashtag blessed right over here, uh, that the Russian bots have not come after me. But what I have been annoyed by and what continued to be, uh, continues to be an issue is like, if you tweet certain words on Twitter, all the bots will descend on you. Mm-hmm. Autobots roll out, um, and will come come after you, and 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 have things to say, and will be passing you deals. And um, I do my due diligence to report those accounts for spam and make sure that they are uh, removed from the platform if possible, or at least you know given a, a finger wagging. But um, I think that this is good not just for any sort of potentially political topic, but just for the usability of Twitter in general. And uh, I think keeping people safe, or at the very least, unannoyed, uh, unbothered by these ridiculous bots. And honestly, if it also breathes a little bit of creativity into um, like account social media managers, then I'm also happy about that. If we're not just piping out the same tweets over and over again, and we are f- sort of forcing creativity, I think it's a it's a good thing. Whether this makes a difference on the grand scale of things and particularly on more politically charged topics. I don't know. Twitter continues to be uh, a trash fire in that respect. But um, I'm glad that we are not only hearing Jack say, and we're being more open and honest about things. And so we're doing blah, 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 blah. And we're actually seeing those things play out and seeing people, again, complain about it, because that's when you know it's real. What you said. (laughs) (laughs) I I do think that it's engagement and making it easier for people who really use the platform as a tool is important. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into the political side, because I think, you know, if you want to troll or uh, if you are, uh, you know, in, in that conspiracy theory, I'm sure there are human beings, not just bots that can influence you know, thoughts and elections and whatever else that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a usability perspective, getting rid of all of that. Um, and I was happy to see the first thing I did actually when I read the news was to go and check if my follower number decreased and it didn't. Um, not even by one, Aww. which was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is, is, Nice to be able to go out and not have the spam and not just the politics word, but like Micah was saying, you know, you put a word and all of a sudden you got, you know, 25 people trying to sell you something. Um, and, and this is not just Twitter, but it's getting everywhere. It's getting to LinkedIn. I, I have like, you know, generals proposition me on LinkedIn. That was a Facebook thing, people. You cannot go <laughs> and ask if I'm single on LinkedIn. You know, this is like a, a broader issue, but I I guess 
you know, with Twitter, because they're so under scrutiny as far as the number of uh, active users that they have, and that has decreased um, in in the last earning calls, they mentioned, you know, that uh, they were profitable, but the numbers decreased, especially in the US. Internationally grew in the US, it decreased because they went into their spring cleaning and got rid of uh, all these Russian bots. Um, we'll see if that helps the quality of Twitter, because I think that's personally as a user, not as an analyst, as a user. That's what I care about. I use it as a tool and I want it to be easier. The safety thing is a different issue. Um, you know, I, I think I'd rather take 10 bots than one like angry, narrow-minded person on Twitter that comes after me because I said something that apparently is feminist or, you know, I've been called all sorts of names. Um, and I've seen really shocking tweets of really people going after with, you know, violent responses. Um, and nothing is done for these people. Um, and, and that's not right. And that's a whole different story. That's a really good point. Uh, I, I like. I think the difference there is. It seems like you know we we see this we see this happen every time Twitter introduces a new feature. Uh, but I think that there's particularly some some uh, truth to it here. People will say like, okay, but are you not fixing blah 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 blah? In this case, like. If they're they're fixing something that I think in is relatively easy to fix right. and doesn't have sort of the the ties to um, they're like it's it's sort of black and white I guess is, Correct. is yeah. like you can the, you can block bots really easily but when it comes to blocking people like that's where do you draw the line yeah and that like that's something they should be working on that's more important so it almost feels like they're tackling the low hanging fruit uh, to try and gain points from people whenever the bigger issue is actual human beings. Well, I don't know if we can even call them that. Um, actual terrible beings uh, <laughs> who are, are abusing other people on the platform. I mean, these are these are all issues, right? And they're, they're, they're not the same. And they all, I, I think they all need to be dealt with. I, I have for a long time wondered why Twitter wasn't trying to take a more active role in obvious like for spam was the first place where it was like very clear you could that you could figure out what uh, a, a spammer's behavior was and very clear that you could figure out what some of these bots behavior is and that it's not a person and it violates the terms of service and so for a long time there's been this question of like it, it, why is twitter not more actively trying to suppress this stuff now i should say twitter is not alone in this there was just a story uh, yesterday that i that i uh, was reading about how um youtube uh had a video posted that was you know had was number one in trending that was a conspiracy theory that is false about uh, some of the kids at the school in florida where the school shooting was and it took them a very long time to pull it off their trending list and then ultimately to pull that clip because and again not a bot but complete misinformation and you know all of these companies are struggling with this at least with bots twitter can programmatically do a pretty good job of figuring it out to now, to be fair, I did see a story as well that there was a woman who reported that her uh, account was suspended and she appealed because she is a real person and not a bot. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you are going to sweep people up in that. Now, it's it's a lot easier for human beings to prove that they're human beings than for bots to prove that they're human beings. Um, she also was really angry because most of her follower count 
um, disappeared. And um, again, I feel bad for her, uh, not necessarily for the reasons that she might want me to feel bad for her. But the fact is, she seemed to be, as somebody who was really strongly of some strong political beliefs, she seemed to be really into replying to bot posts and retweeting bot posts and so she kind of got swept up in the bot network and the bots followed her um, and so now she feels she's being persecuted but I think in reality she had uh, she was kind of in a in a personal echo chamber like an echo chamber where it was just a bunch of bots uh, and her and I feel really <laughs> that, fe- that feels really sad right like the idea that you could be so taken in by bots again whatever the subject matter that you would interact with them and retweet them and follow them and they would follow you and you feel like you were having this whole experience experience oh, on social so media that, yeah and it's that's so <laughs> like that's oh man that's embarrassing and like that's having a uh, sitting down as a little kid and having a tea party with your stuffed animals right of course they're all going to agree with you because the minute that miss mcstuffins says that you can't have a cookie you're gonna throw miss mcstuffins across the room yeah she goes so in the you closet, do have your yeah. little tea party echo chamber oh that's heartbreaking oh it's the 21st century everybody we have tea parties with bots now <laughs> we do tea parties with bots it's a thing um we have more to talk about of course we do you know we do but uh, let me take a break and talk about our first sponsor as well this episode of download brought to you in part by squarespace you can enter the offer code download fm at checkout you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase make your next move with squarespace it lets you easily create a website for your next idea a unique domain award-winning templates a whole lot more maybe you want to create an online store a portfolio a blog maybe you're getting married And you want to create a site for all the people you've invited to your wedding. I just got a Squarespace site link in the mail on a wedding invitation today or yesterday, I guess. I got it. Uh, I went through my mail this morning. Squarespace. Help that happen. They are an all-in-one platform that lets you do just about anything. Nothing to install. No patches to worry about. No upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about anything. Squarespace takes care of it for you. All you have to do is make your site. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. They let you quickly and easily grab a domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed so you can show off your great ideas. Plans start at just $12 a month. And you can start a trial without giving them a credit card or anything just by going to squarespace.com. You sign up. Up, you get a free trial. You don't have to give them any credit card. Your credit card won't be charged, and you can give it a go. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code DownloadFM. You'll get ten percent off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting Download Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. And what do you think about the election, Mister Bear? Sorry, <laughs> I'm still I'm still imagining Twitter as a team. I'm going to have nightmares now that everybody who follows me is a bot. That's what's going to happen. As you're now. holding the, the tea kettle like over their lap instead of the cup, <laughs> what yeah. do you think about the election? Uh, scary. Okay. Uh, topic number two. Microsoft this week published a technical support document outlining the limitations of Windows 10 on ARM machines. Now, if you uh, remember from a few uh, weeks ago, these are low-powered notebooks. They're starting to pop up running uh, Windows, uh, but on ARM processors. Uh, these are customers who are making trade-offs for the amazing battery life that you can get on an ARM processor. Now, Paul Therott spotted uh, a page before it was taken down by Microsoft that says that on these ARM systems, 64-bit apps won't run. Utilities that modify the Windows interface will need to be recompiled for ARM. x86 drivers aren't supported. Hyper-V is not supported, so there's no virtualization, really. Older games and graphics apps may not work due to limited OpenGL support. None of this is really surprising, but it does show 
you that you you know when you buy an ARM laptop running Windows 10, you're going to get a different experience. So I guess my question for both of you is, what do you think about this? And do you think the people for whom an ARM laptop might be appealing are going to care about this. Carolina, what do you think? I think that Microsoft overall has made such a mess of this um, because it started out with Windows 10S and what Windows 10S was. And then from that, you got, you got into um, the, uh, the, the whole connectivity piece. And I was just tweeting actually this morning some data that we had from a survey here in the US across 1300 PC users. And one of the questions we asked was, you know, top three features that you want in your next notebook. And cellular connectivity was not one, right? There's 29% of consumers that put connectivity as in cellular in the top three. Battery life is, and it's close to 70% of the consumers saying battery life as their top two features. So I think that the promise of ARM is back today. And I think that is where the focus should be in that long battery life. But to your question about would they, you know, would consumer care? I think if you're buying that, you also need to buy into, into Windows 10S, which for me is the purest version of Windows. If actually they made an effort and created a store that was worth being called a store. And I'm being really harsh because I feel strongly about this. Um, you know, I think that up until now, even with Windows 10, there's always a bit of that you know, kind of um, Linux blanket that, you know, Microsoft doesn't want to give up what it has been. And they don't want to come out strong enough and say, you know what, these are the apps, that's where you're going to have to go. It works, yeah. you know, for Android, it works for iOS, a little bit for Mac, not, <laughs> you know, not as much as iOS, right? But consumer do it if you have the apps, but the apps are not there. So, you know, it, what are we going to do to foster that? And then the rest doesn't matter or matters less, right? Mentioning Linus's blanket, I was going to say the same thing. I was at the D conference when they announced uh, basically the uh, Windows RT, which was their first crack at this. And there was that moment where you thought maybe they were going to, to draw a line and say, look, I know... Because the thing is, Microsoft's strength is its install base and and its history. And, and so it's always afraid to let go of that. You're absolutely right. And when they announced Windows RT and what would essentially be, you know, the Metro interface, which is the, this this modern win, Windows interface, there was a moment where I thought, oh, my God, Microsoft's figured it out. They're going to be they're going to be uh, making some really amazing decisions. And then there was the moment where they're like, and you can toggle back and then it's just Windows again. And I thought, oh, no, no, you can't. You got to You got to do it. So I look at this and I think. Are they making a clean break here? Because like, if the, the way this is described, I like it because it lets them leave so much garbage behind and right. say we're not going to do that. But I, I don't believe them. I like, I, I don't believe that they're committed to it. Well, until they give you an option, and you know, it's like, oh, this, this is Windows 10s is the best thing. You can upgrade if you want to. Like in the same sentence, right? And I was like, well, why would I want to upgrade if this is <laughs> the best, you know? And, and you're immediately putting that little seed in, in the buyer's mind and mm. they're going to try it. And, you know, they're not used to go to the store. So I think, you know, an important part of all of this, uh, from a marketing standpoint is getting the users 
into the store. Get them there, get them to see, get them used to go in and find. Um, but of course, you need to increase the number of apps that you have there that they can find. Um, you know, I, I've been using Windows 10 now for, for a bit and I keep on going back and forth between my Mac and my Surface. And I do enjoy it. And, and I, you know, there are things where, um, I've been on a Mac for, 10 years now. Um, so it's the first time I actually can go back and forth and not, you know, apart from cutting and pasting where I kind of just try and do the same command and it doesn't work. But, you know, I can go back and forth and be fairly happy. Um, but there, you know, I still don't have a Twitter client that is good enough, you know, and that's for me is not just, oh, I, I have fun with it. Is it, it is a work tool. And so, you know, struggling through that is not something I particularly want to do. And, and another part that annoys me about Windows is uh, specifically on Surface is the wording on the software. It's like, I don't want it to be my, oh, your PC is updating. It's not my PC, it's my Surface. You know, Surface is not a PC in mm-hmm. my mind, right? It is, you know, it's like calling the iPhone a smartphone. It is not, it's the iPhone, you know, in, and I know it's, is, you know, it's kind of a psychological stupidity, but it, it matters because for me, PC is old fashioned. It's not what mm. I want to use today. Yeah, that. So the, the thing that you said about uh, sowing a seed uh, of doubt there or is <clears throat> is interesting. Um, there's one note in here that says, uh, as is so often the case with platform shifts, you're best uh, you're best off sticking to new stuff and letting go of legacy, since much of the latter either won't work, as noted here, or will run slowly. Um, that's an interesting thing. I think. Uh, a lot of times, at least it's been my experience, like people that are using Windows machines that are just more than sort of the ones that you buy at the store, like ones where you are are paying for, I don't know, either VR uh, capabilities or have like a, a gaming machine and things like that. Um, those folks tend, I think is fair to say, to uh, not be good about um, leaving legacy stuff behind. And and so ultimately, what's fascinating here is it's sort of like hearing when I when I first read that, I almost thought that it was uh, a mistake, like it was a typo or something, because you don't usually hear like, you might as well just let the legacy stuff go and just go all in on the new <laughs> stuff. But that's sort of what this seems to be is like, it, it, it's uh if you're going to jump in, then you got to jump in with two feet. And that's a little unsettling, um, I think, for anybody, because as much as we all like to say we thrive on or as much as many people like to say they thrive on change and and, and love change and things like that, it sort of runs counter to our programming. <laughs> well, nobody is, likes those that. Those people yeah. are liars. Likes to, yes, they are. <laughs> we say Thank we you. do. <laughs> we say we do, but we don't. It runs counter That's to right. our base programming. Like you get down to the very nut in the middle of our brain and our brain is like, please don't don't change things, please. Um, and that like that goes especially I think with technology, because you have to jump to a new platform or, or, or completely give up on things that you know, and suddenly you are, you know, finding new ways to keep using old things. Like there, uh, I just, I can't remember where I saw this, but someone was buying like, I think it was a mouse or a keyboard or something that was super expensive, but it's because it's the mouse or keyboard they've used for years. And uh, anyway, my, my point is like, 
it's interesting to say this sort of jump to the new thing and let go of legacy because I think many many folks who have used these computers for years are not about that. At the same time, though, consumers. Uh, everyday typical, you know, uh, run of the mill. That, that's maybe not the right word, but, but everyday consumers, I think, are a little bit more adept at handling that. Cause if they go to buy a new computer, it's just like, okay, this is the new thing to get used to. And maybe never took full advantage of the thing that they had before. So, um, whether this means that we'll see some sort of barking and growling from, uh, people who are really ingrained in these, these platforms, um, and the hardware and the software is, I think, where the, the turmoil might exist. But, uh, who knows if we'll see that same sort of thing from everyday in folks. In fairness, though, um, those shouldn't be even considering this device, right? Right. This it's not kind for them. Of that's true. And, and that's I think true. that's the other part is that, you know, something new comes out. We talk about it as if it's the only options that you have. And, and I think with, you know, the always connected PCs, first of all, if there needs to be some kind of hand holding, uh, for the PC maker in trying to design devices that are fit for what these things are. This is for, you know, somebody who, is working for Starbucks from Starbucks or, you know, commutes two hours back and forth every day on a train or, you know, out and about, not sitting at your office or at your home for most of the time where connectivity and most of all, you know, battery life are important. Uh, this is not your super duper machine where, you know, you do gaming and you do, you know, this is the casual machine and the office kind of you know, productivity machine. That's what these things are. Um, and, you know, for, to your point, Mike, for most people out there, that's fine. That's what they do. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of um, this comes up in the Apple side, too, where sometimes Apple releases a product that's not for its kind of hardest core, most enthusiastic right. user, and they and they freak out about it. And and I I don't understand why everybody uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess it's just isn't it nice when people make products for you? But like when the MacBook was <laughs> announced, uh, people were like, oh, the MacBook, it's terrible. It doesn't have this and it doesn't have this. And it's like the MacBook is amazing for the people it's for. And to extend that a little bit, like if the they made a laptop like for Mac users, uh, like like these. If Apple did an ARM MacBook that had twenty hours of battery life, let's say fifteen hours of battery life, but you had to give up some things you were used to. Not everybody could use that laptop either, but there would be a cross section who who would be amazed and would make that trade in a heartbeat. Other people wouldn't, but a lot of people would, and that's the the same thing here. As long as Microsoft can kind of like get you know get it together and then be like it's okay that this is slightly different and doesn't have yeah. a lot of legacy stuff because I, I don't know about you but i look at that and i think there, there are so many people who would make that trade and say yes less compatibility but it lasts twice as long um let's do it no i i agree and and also you know to the point about windows 10s it is a cleaner experience you know oh, yeah. you, you are you know you are in a safe environment because the apps that you get you don't just download them from wherever you want on the internet and so you know for users that maybe are not as tech savvy um that is a, a nice safety net that they can have that they didn't have before hey steven you uh do you, would you buy an arm mac no <laughs> because because i am you. in that group you are that guy i, I am i'm in that group where All i right. need things like virtualization and i would 
for the battery versus power trade off in a notebook, I, I want the power. But again, that's like I am that like creative pro user, but um, you know, so like even like the twelve inch MacBook as it is today really isn't isn't for me. But I do think it's pro- products like this deserve to exist because yeah. people do have different desires than I do. You know, there's um, there are a lot of people who battery life is the number one thing, right. and on the Windows side, they don't care about the Hyper V stuff or the drivers or the X sixty four support. They don't care about that stuff. Right. They want a notebook that runs Office as long as it can. There you go. And the market is big enough that these products don't all have to be the same. Yeah, I, I, I congratulate Microsoft for going down this path. We've debated about whether Apple would go down this path a lot. And I think I think in the end, it comes down to not would it be a, a good product, because I think it probably would be. I think it is the, the, the root question, not for us to get into right now, but is how much effort does Apple want to put into the Mac today versus yeah. sort of letting it play out while it works on uh, you know ios and who knows what comes next uh, because i i think it would be super compelling to have a uh a, a, a macbook that did that 15 20 uh hour battery life even if it had a loss of all sorts of other kinds of compatibilities but i don't know you it, just got kicked out of so many people's tea parties for saying that i know i i, I agree I, with you i really did mr bear and i will be over here <laughs> under the bed oh, oh poor jason and while i'm down here under the bed with mr bear i'm going to tell him about pingdom this episode is brought to you by pingdom the company who offers uptime monitoring and web performance management now mr bear you're more familiar with pingdom than you might think because it's keeping your favorite sites online squarespace buzzfeed netflix if you've used any of those sites recently and not run into any trouble guess what mr bear pingdom might be to thank for that websites can be incredibly sophisticated they have so many different moving parts contact forms e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and a whole lot more. Pingdom lets you check the availability of all those functions. It's not just, is the homepage up? But it's like, if I click this button on this form, does it work? Because you need the red flag there, not just at the homepage level. Uh, It's easy to get started with Pingdom, whether you've got a huge site or a little site or something in between. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM. That's P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash relay fm right now you'll get a 14 day free trial no credit card required when you sign up use the code download at checkout and you'll get 30 percent off your first invoice that is massive thank you to pingdom for supporting this show and relay fm i'm coming back out from under the bed because i'm the host of the show you can't send me down there <laughs> I, I realized i can do it and, and and but while i was down there i found a story you might have missed something that might have flown under your radar and is worth mentioning uh stephen hackett found this this week uh scientists from google have discovered a new way to assess a person's risk of heart disease using drum roll machine learning yes what can't machine learning do they analyze the scans of the back of a patient's eye so they're looking at your retina and the google software Software is able to accurately deduce data about the person based on the retina. So age, blood pressure, uh, whether they smoke or not. And these factors are indications often of cardiac health, including risk for heart disease and even heart attacks. When presented with the retinal images of two patients, one of whom suffered a cardiovascular event in the following five years and one of whom did not, Google's algorithm was able to tell which was which 70% of the time, which is in line with more traditional methods of screening. Medical researchers say this software is promising, but more testing will be needed before this shows up at your local doctor's office. I think this is a cool story, although I will say, Stephen, it does sound a little bit like uh, we can either ask you 
your age take your blood pressure and ask if you smoke or not and then warn you or we can scan your retina and have a supercomputer do it without asking any questions yeah that's way cooler and i'm fine with it as long as they is like the they don't replace the doctor with one of the boston dynamics robots like as long as it's just software i'm okay well that's nice uh yeah i don't know it's this is a fun demo but i do have that moment where where as i was reading it i was thinking but you couldn't you just ask the question i mean i guess i guess one of the advantages would be that you could just put this over all sorts of retina data from like optometrists that's what i was thinking right just to just to like send out a warning email or something like that or you know or flag on next office visit counsel them or something like that just in case nobody had said anything um especially since the retina stuff is going to more likely be at an eye doctor i would say than a doctor so do you if you're an optometrist do you use a service like this and and say hey while you're here getting a new pair of glasses you may have (laughs) a heart attack your heart (laughs) well i'm i'm really short-sighted so they check my retina every time i go for uh distortion and things like that um so i wouldn't mind if they say you know we check this too i would get concerned if they say you know that annual checkup maybe you want to do it in three months instead mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um but why not is is already there they're already doing you know i already pay extra money for it so you might as well tell me everything you can from looking at it very few analysts will tell me that they're short-sighted by the way so thank you machine learning what will it do next i do think we are headed for a future just to broaden this out for a second i do think we're headed for a future where there are going to be pieces of data that are going to be noticed by machine learning that turn out to correlate shockingly with other like medical things especially where we're going to discover oh we can look at you and say that you have a an elevated risk of heart attack or stroke or something like that based on all of these other points that that nobody was able to put together because none of us are massive you know ai machines at google and that there will be something great that comes out of it this is this is almost like a large version of james t green's story about getting his heart alert on his apple watch where look if the computer can look at my amalgamated health data or pictures or whatever and say you might want to talk to a doctor about this that is great like i i'm okay with that as long as you know privacy and you know all, all of those details but we could learn something that could save people's lives that part is cool even though for this it seems like well i'm afraid to ask my patients questions about their health as their doctor so i'll just send it a retina scan and not talk to my patient well and patients yeah. lie uh, that's true like people yeah, lie a true. lot <laughs> i watched i watched house md Everybody lies, right? Everybody lies, lies. darn it. (laughs) It's never lupus and everybody lies. That's what I learned from watching that show. Is that right? Am I a doctor now? You could see a future, right, where you go in, you know, for a checkup and this stuff is like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to do our normal checkup. We're also going to do these three extra tests. And in maybe the old days, those three tests were just for three different things. But now, to your point, Jason... This machine learning is putting all these dots together and say, hey, you know, you got to do three tests. We got to do one blood stick and we got to look at your retina and maybe one other thing. But we can screen for a hundred things based on those three tests. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, what like health consumer wouldn't opt into that. Like it, it, it really seems like you have so much more power than just what your doctor or just his office knows when you can apply a whole bunch of machine learning to it. Yeah, we're going to take a picture of your hand. Well, that seems really weird. Trust me. 
<laughs> we can learn so much from a picture of yeah. your hand. Like, Trust me, this is really cool. <laughs> well, and it's like, I, I know we're sort of, you know, hammering the point here, but like the, the cool thing is how much of, of our DNA can, uh, sort of appear on ourselves or appear in our bodies as one thing, but it tell, it informs a whole nother thing. And with, with all of the information that's being learned right now about, um, about our DNA. And I, I did one of those fun DNA tests. It's interesting sort of how things can correlate. And so one, like we might, we may find out one day through, uh, the DNA processing and through machine learning that like, Again, the, the whole thing about if your hand is bigger than your face deal, but there could be some of those things. Like if you, uh, if, if your earlobes are detached and your second toe is longer than your, your first toe, then it means that you have a greater percentage of blank. Those kinds of things are really cool because we, we look for those trends. And then again, yeah, it's an easy, uh, screening thing that, you may even be able to do yourself. And it's like, Hey doc, I heard that blah, 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 blah. Can you test for this? And then you're able to find those things out really early. So it's all very cool. And if a test that could also be figured out by just asking some questions, uh, leads us to the path where you can take a photograph of a hand and find out like all the diseases you might possibly, uh, develop one day. I am so for it. Right now, everything is so, uh, divided up into different compartments. So your optician knows something, your doctor knows something, you know, your chiropractor knows something else, but God forbid they actually talk to each other and share the information when they have. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have patient records, but nobody's going to read those unless something comes up. So I, I think, you know, history of your records and what, for instance, even Apple is trying to do you know, with, with uh, patient records um, with a very limited number number of hospitals at the moment, but I'm sure that it's going to grow, is important because, you know, in an emergency, you just don't have the time to go and figure out the 15 doctors you've been to um, before it's too late, instead of having everything in one place. So I think both emergency on one side and then the other one prevention, um, being able to have that data and have somebody actually look over it, you know, I'll take the 70% chances of a machine versus, you know, the betting on the time my doctor is going to put in trying to find out more about me in the 20 minutes of window that I have for my appointment, where it's running 45 minutes late at best interesting. We will keep following it. Hey, that was a nice story that you might have missed. So, Stephen, thank you for making us not miss it. We'll move on. Uh, We have one more sponsor. This episode of Download also brought to you by Screencast-O-Matic, an easy-to-use screen recorder and video editing tool that makes collaboration and communication simple for everyone. You can record video announcements, marketing presentations, meetings, webinars, social learnings, video tutorials, all of it using your Mac, PC, or Chromebook. The Screencast-O-Matic video editor lets you add text, image overlays, and animations. You can add music, narration, and captions to make those videos really shine. And then you can easily share and publish your video creations to the world. Everything you need for your video is all in one tool with Screencast-O-Matic. For a limited time only, you can get started with 50% off a year's subscription by going to screencastomaticcom slash download 50. That's screencast-o-matic.com slash download 50. Or just click the link in the show notes in your podcast app of choice. But act fast. That deal won't be around forever. Thank you, Screencast-O-Matic, for supporting. Download.
Topic number three, Mobile World Congress is coming up. The weather report for Barcelona is disappointing. (laughs) Uh, Carolina's going to go and it's not going to be sunny and it's going to be chilly. But here's something that will happen on Sunday. The Galaxy S9 smartphones from Samsung are going to be announced uh, because we know this because a lot of stuff leaked. Uh, It looks a lot like the S8, including the edge-to-edge infinity display, bezels on the top and bottom of the screen, and yes, Bixby, the Bixby button will be there. Uh, (laughs) Yay, Bixby. But around back, the fingerprint sensor's been moved to below the camera, making it far easier to reach, and inside, the phone's expected to use the Snapdragon 845 chipset, at least in North America, and a big camera Camera upgrade shooting at f1.5 or f2.4 with a variable aperture and that the plus version of the phone will have a second f2.4 lens uh carolina what do you think about the leaks what do you think about the galaxy s9 I always feel sorry as much as I thrive on reading the, the leaks because, you know, I'm an analyst, so anything I can know in advance is great. But I feel sorry for any company that puts a lot of work and then they're going to spend a hell of a lot of money to, you know, uh, come up with a show on Sunday. And we already know so much. And when you get to that level of, level of detail, it's unlikely that things are really that wrong. Um, you know, it's not just the speculation six, eight months ago. This is kind of looks like something you would believe is the final product. Um, so that's that side, which is more of a human side of, oh, poor PR person. Um, but then as far as the device is concerned, I think that Samsung is, is in a, a kind of a difficult spot because I think this is their nine, not their 10, meaning that I don't think this is where we're going to see some of their kind of more speculative uh, rumors of folding screens and all of that. Um, so it, a lot of the technology that they have here, they had before, and they don't have the advantage of uh, Apple going with the iPhone 10 and going, wow, you know, this is edge to edge display. Well, Samsung's had it for a few years. And so it, you know, it's going to not going to be that much of a wow. It's going to be incrementative. And, and the thing that are better are the ones that are least obvious. So the camera being better is great once you use it, but it's really hard to show that on stage or show that, you know, in the five minutes where you go to the store and check out what is different from this version to the the previous version. I think this is a problem that, you know, all the vendors face at some point. And it seems that, you know, for this particular um, new product, Samsung is, is going all in as far as, you know, we changed some things that we heard consumers say they didn't like in the previous version. I think the print fingerprint moving is great because I kept on touching the camera instead with the previous right, one. Right, right. Um, That's a great yeah. one. <laughs> so, and he's right. I, I, you know, if I, from the pictures that, that have been circulating, it seems that it's really you know, where LG and, and Huawei put there. So really where your finger ends up when you're holding the phone in a certain way. So that, that will help. But then you're not going to buy a new version of the phone just because your fingers touches the fingerprint in the right <laughs> way, right? So the camera is continuing to be the, the big factor for a lot of consumers uh, upgrade. That's what they want. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see how much better it is. You know, what features is it going to be, you know, I don't know, low lighting, is it going to be, you know, better stabilization? What kind of thing are, are going to, we're going to see in there to make it that much better? 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like that, that's, this is clearly, as you've mentioned, an incremental update. Um, and we are seeing sort of the, uh, jump from like iPhone 6 to iPhone 7, uh, or iPhone 7 to iPhone 8. Uh, but on the, the Samsung side here, um, it seems like, again, that camera is going to be the big thing. And they're talking about s- the slow motion video that goes up to 960 uh, frames per second. That's pretty neat. Um, I, I think that is a, a pretty cool feature that it's it's interesting how quickly you can get some pretty awesome looking footage if you add in a little bit of slow-mo. Um, so I, I would be pretty excited to have that feature. I think um, ultimately it's sort of fascinating to look at the differences. And I think that this plays into the the user base of each of these devices as well. But I think it's fascinating to look at the differences between um, the iPhone rumor mill and the uh, Android rumor mill, and in this case, the Samsung rumor mill, um, and sort of how these things play out. Where with Apple, you hear sort of more, I think, grand ideas, if that's the word, um, we hear about face ID. We hear about new software features like an emoji and things like that. Whereas you look at this, um, Samsung article from, from the verge, this, this breakdown of the rumors and, you know, uh, Jason was just saying these specs earlier, uh, F1, 1.5, F2.4, et cetera, et cetera. There's, it's very spec heavy. And again, I think that plays into the user bases of both of these things, but it's fascinating sort of looking at the differences where, um, Apple might focus on um, wanting to say that, hey, we've got a better camera that shoots better photos, but not necessarily go into the details of that. Um, and then on or or a battery that's going to last you an extra two hours. Whereas on the, the Samsung side, we've got a 3000 uh, milliamp, ba- milliamp hour battery, et cetera, et cetera. So I just just looking at things plainly from the the uh macro i guess point of view is is fascinating to me um but can we please talk about this rumored <laughs> location based social network that's called i guess it's pronounced usup uh U-H-S-S-U-P, usup um that's supposed to be launching alongside the S9 seriously and yeah yeah so it's it's a again it's a location based local social network i think that's supposed to be like what's up but it's spelled U H S S usup um uh, what is happening why <laughs> i, I, I I don't know of many uh, smartphone manufacturers or even companies that both dabble in services and hardware manufacturing who have been able to pull off social networks uh, to go along with their their uh, their products. And so we've got uh, Twitter, which exists on its own, but like Apple, they have tried ping, they've tried all these yes. different things and they almost <laughs> never work out. So now we've got not only is it doomed just by name. <laughs> this, this is I found a story that says that it's Korean for woohoo. Oh, oh, okay. See, okay. Then, then uh, I take it back. I thought that there was a, a very American thing of just saying, <laughs> just spelling what's up a different way. Oh my god, it's like the Budweiser commercial. <laughs> 
What's up? What's up? <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was given some stick to Bixby when we started this, and it's the same thing, which is like I don't I don't know. I mean, Samsung has been so successful with their hardware, but and I would say Samsung has gotten a lot better with their pack-in software. I, there was a time when I tried these Samsung phones, and the, the the skins that they added, and the apps, and the services that they added, and the music, the ringtones that they wear. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, it just I was just like no 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 this is not good. You're not making the Android experience better. You're just you're just uh, filling it up with junk. Um they've gotten a lot better, but there yeah. are still these things that you're like, yeah, okay, so there's a Google Assistant but like no, we want to do Bixby. We want to have our own thing and and it's like so- they're a hardware maker but they also want to be involved with software, but it's also Google software. I don't know. I never get excited about these Samsung software bits that are just we just dumped in a social network and a voice assistant because of you know i don't know pride because, because we think things. we can do it better than google i don't know i don't know never like that and i i has anyone been positive about the bixby button i don't know mm-hmm. that i've seen anyone be positive about that mm-hmm. thing i think it was mismarketed um if you use it for what it was supposedly intended for which is uh more of a UX experience than a shortcut to, you know, seven steps to go and do something. You just say, Bixby, do this. It works. But if you're trying to use it as an assistant, it doesn't. And unfortunately, I think the moment you give it a name and, you know, you're trying to say it's not an assistant, but people still say it's an assistant, you're doomed. And I think that's what Bixby has been suffering uh, from the fact that, you know, I moving from the iPhone to uh, Android, I always forget how you do certain things. And so I wanted to do a, a screenshot. I w- didn't want to go into settings and figure out whatever. So I just said, Bixby, take a screenshot. And he did. Oh, nice. But, you know, it's a it. It's not a she. It's, you know, she is, <laughs> it is a voice UX. It's not an assistant. And then things got muddled. And I think that's what it is, is, you know, you, you have higher expectations and you immediately compare it to Google Assistant. And of course, Google, Google Assistant is very, if you want it, why wouldn't you? You know, and, and, and I think it just becomes messy. But at the same time, you can't blame them for trying because they went and bought Viv and I don't know what they're doing with it yet. Um, but you know, they are trying to be less dependent on Google. And, you know, you can see from, from Apple, pushing more and more into services, you're not going to survive unless you are going to go beyond hardware. And, you know, with the assistant, you get the data and, you know, you get more about your users and you can build from there. So they need to try something. Otherwise, they might as well just do the hardware and then be in the same position as, you know, HTC and Google and Huawei and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I just don't want assistant fragmentation, right? I don't want this idea. And th- I mean, I, I'll grant you that by having the Google Assistant be that you're talking to Google, there is some implications there that this is a cloud assistant that's that's all about like things that are out in the Google cloud. And that if you're trying to control your device, um, it that metaphor doesn't necessarily work. But at the same time, I also don't want to have two names for things that listen to me on my phone right so yeah. like even even if the metaphor was broken i'd almost rather you know give samsung a way to just hook that into the the standard google assistant or something rather than this weird bifurcation that 
is going on. Because like I see the value in having that voice experience, like you said, for doing things like turn off Bluetooth or whatever, or make the screen yeah. brighter. But um, to have two, 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 not assistants, but two things that answer me out of my phone, that's really weird. Asap apparently is a blending of holla and what's up. <laughs> that you call a young lady down the, down the street. So there okay. you have it. <laughs> wow. See, I, I, it seems to have been a carefully calibrated uh, title that Micah hates. Um, but that's <laughs> yes, very I interesting. Do. Very, very interesting. Okay, uh, before we go, I like to do the Fuzzy Puppy update where we talk about something that is nice and makes everybody happy and gives everybody a warm feeling because sometimes the topics we discuss are difficult. And since I was gone this week and Stephen prepped the show, this is what I found in the document this morning for the Fuzzy Puppy update. (laughs) There's nothing like fast, reliable storage, and Samsung has managed to cram 30 terabytes of storage into a two and a half inch enclosure. The drive uses a 12 gigabytes per second serial attached gigabits per second. I don't even know. Serial attached SCSI interface. no detail on price or release date. Steven, there is nothing fuzzy or puppy about <laughs> I feel a big hard drive. very warm and cuddly inside thinking about oh, a 30 terabyte SSD, Jason. He is a robot. So instead, we're going to go back to Korea and we're going to go to the Winter Olympics and I'm going to tell you mutiny. about Suharang, uh, who is a stuffed animal that is given to all of the Olympic medalists after they win. It looks kind of like a, a white Tony the Tiger. It's a white tiger and it's adorable. And if you're Aww. wondering why all the Olympic winners are getting stuffed animals after their uh, after their victories instead of medals here's the story the story is that it, in the rio olympics they decided that the tradition of giving flowers to all of the medalists after they win was a little uh, unsustainable and they decided to change change it up and so in south korea everybody gets this sort of souvenir uh, little stuffed suhorang the the white tiger at the venue instead of flowers or anything like that they get and the other thing is so you come down off the slopes you win the downhill uh the first second third place will stand there at the venue they get the the stuffed tiger everybody applauds and then later they go to the medals plaza and they get their medals there but this is a way to sort of like make everybody really excited in the moment when the victory has just happened and also not instead of getting flowers you get a really adorable little stuffed animal white tiger uh so that is the mascot of uh, the pyeongchang olympic games and he's adorable you can buy it on amazon and it's based on an important figure the tiger's an important figure in korean culture long considered to be their guardian animal so why not have the white tiger the regular tiger was the mascot of the seoul olympics by the way so now they're in the snow it's a white tiger sure how's that you could hey listeners choose that or the 30 terabyte hard drive you choose <laughs> Whichever one makes you happy. The tiger is so cute. It's so cute. But, you know, 30 30 terabytes is pretty nice. Yeah. All right. Again, everybody can have their own fuzzy puppy this week. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with more uh, in the week ahead. uh, Lots of Mobile World Congress stories, including plenty of things we've already been spoiled by, like the Galaxy S9, which we already talked about and hasn't (laughs) even been announced yet. Uh, But for now, we are done with download for this week. Micah Sargent, where can people find the stuff that you do? Uh, Well, I'm frozen in fear because there's comic. Comic Sans in the document, but 
but uh, whenever I'm not looking at that horrible, horrible mutiny, uh, you can find me uh, everything that I do. You can find at chihuahua.coffee. That's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A.coffee. It's got links to all the podcasts and writing and all the social media stuff that I do. And Carolina, where can people, I mean, they'll find you if they look carefully at Mobile World Congress, but where else can they find the stuff that you <laughs> <Yes>. do? <laughs> um, they can find me on Twitter at Caro underscore Milanesi, M-I-L-A-N-E-S-I. And they can find me on Tech Pinions every Wednesday. And I have to, I have to say, I was watching the Winter Olympics, and they were interviewing an Italian skater. And I, I leaned forward, and I was like, "Oh my God, she has the exact same accent as Carolina." <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I'm, I'm actually pretty chuffed about how well Italy is doing in the Winter Olympics. So. Really well, yeah. They're no Norway. Norway will defeat us all, but pretty, pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. The U.S. not so great, but they won a gold medal in women's ice hockey, so that was awesome. Um, Stephen Hackett, I'm sorry for the mutiny, but uh, I don't consider a hard drive a fuzzy puppy. It's not a hard drive. Solid state, Jason. Solid what, state. Yeah, whatever. Uh, okay, well, well, this changes everything. I'm going to throw my stuffed animal. No, I'm going to take the white tiger. I'm going to have a tea party with him. Yes. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Uh, but that's it for this week's edition of Download Stuffed Animals and All. I have been your host, Jason Snell. And until next week, we will be watching the headlines so you don't have to. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.